What's poppin', y'all? Welcome to Eddie and Mike, the podcast. It's me, Mike, and I'm here with my guy. Eddie P, at your service. Man, I ain't never seen the weather. Well, I guess living in D.C., I have seen it, but yesterday it was, like, amazing. <laughs> like, it was over 80 degrees, and it's still the middle of the March. Like, it's my my grandmother's birthday. Rest in peace, mama. Um, It was, like, 80 degrees. Sun was out. Today was just awful. <laughs> it was raining like all day. The temperature dropped to like 50 degrees. Like just a dreary, dreary Friday in a DMV. But we made it to the weekend and it's Eddie and Mike time. And I'm grateful. What's happening, bro? Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Bipolar weather uh, in the DMV strikes again. Uh, I got up early this morning, go to work, weather seemed decent, got to work and it, it rain just came down hard for like a good 20, 30 minutes. And then after that, it kind of died down, but it just was consistently drizzling, sprinkling, whatever you want to call it. And yeah, dreary, miserable, uh, just a few words I'd use to describe the current weather state. So coming to you live from the outdoors with the sounds of Richmond Highway, it's me again. Uh, Mike, we we got some stuff to talk about, you know. I mean, we've beaten a dead horse with the ownership sale and all that. So uh, yeah, put football we, the back burner, or what do you want to do here? Yeah, we will talk football a little bit later, but um, yeah, we'll not be talking yeah. sale talk today. We will not be talking draft or free agency <laughs> unless it comes up naturally, but. We ain't planning on talking about it. But I guess we can start off with um, this basketball. Honestly, bro, I know I said I was going to start with the playoff talk. But since they're playing right now, let's just get these bums out of here. Um, <laughs> talking about the Washington Wizards, man. They are currently leading the um, Spurs by four at halftime. Um, I am not watching. My mini protest is still going on, I guess. And um, bro, I've been proven right more yeah. often than not, and um, it it sucks. I wish I was wrong. I wish they would like had turned a corner and messed around and made the playoffs or something. But kind of saw this coming. I was a bit optimistic, but it's just it's it's horrible, bro. They on the they currently they're on a four game losing streak. Lost by twenty three to the Cavs. Lost by fourteen to the Kings. Lost by 10 to the Magic. And then lost by 14 to the Nuggets. Um, You would expect them to beat the Spurs. But I'm pretty sure they won't. Something's going to happen in the second half, bro. I watch. The mantra at the current moment is, how do we blow this one? You guys that listen exactly. to the show or that know Mike or that happen to see me posting out and about, on these social media platforms, uh, you'll know that I'm 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 optimistic. I'm upbeat. I'm I'm you know seen one too many movies with the whole we're gonna turn it around and rah rah. I don't know what to do because do we try to move Beal? Do we try to sign and move Kuzma? Porzingis has certainly worked out, but you look at at the lineup, and with those three guys in particular that I mentioned, there there's most of your points. But then you got guys like Gafford and Avdia who like they matter they they give you effort they play hard on defense Gafford is is just 
jumping out of the gym, catching anything you throw his way above the rim. He's getting rebounds. He's playing tough. But for some reason, this group that you would think would, you know, not be like a, a you know, hands down going to win a title type of group, but a group that would contend, you know, be somewhere in that mix. So it's baffling to say the least. And and again, I don't know which direction we should go in. So I think that's the most frustrating part. And then you look at Bradley Beal, who I love. He's increased his assist and his, his overall team style of play. He's like the second high paced player in the NBA right now. That's, I mean, you, you put that with our record and just blowing leads and stuff. It's It's not a good look, Mike. It's not a good look. That's that's embarrassing. The fact that that man is the second highest played player in the freaking league, and he's not even the second best player on this team. I'm talking just for this season. Like we can talk about careers all we want, but specifically for the 2022-2023 season, it's been Porzingis, Kuzma, or either Kuzma Porzingis, like they've been battling, but for the most of the season, yeah. it's been Porzingis, especially the last few weeks. The manager's been killing, had a 40 point game and everything. Yeah. But it's been them two, then Bill. And that's the problem. That's the that's 100% the problem. I know I say it every freaking show, and I'm going to keep saying it until I'm proven wrong. He's not an alpha, he is not a leader. He's not Wall, and that's the problem. Like yeah, we saw, we, John Wall. We saw what happens when you have an alpha on your team. John Wall was not the best offensive player. I mean, yeah, he brought it on defense, but it's defense. Like at the end of the day, it's defense. But he was not the best offensive player. But when the team needed to get a kickstart, when the team needed to get going, he was the catalyst. Whether it was dunking on somebody or taking a clutch three or throwing a oop or whatever. He was the leader of the team, undoubtedly, unquestionably, the best player on the team. Like, it was his team. This is not Bill's team at all. Yeah, I, I kind of miss John Wall, and, and I know maybe Beal didn't, wasn't that he didn't like wall or didn't like playing that style, but the whole like spot up shooter type thing was, was going on a lot with Beal. And I think I've seen a lot of improvement. Uh, obviously those days with wall are long gone, uh, whether we're talking just injuries that have, that have plagued him and he's gained a little bit of weight, but I think it's a mental thing too, because he's made a lot of money. And I think the, lack of motivation but but that's i mean we're talking as though that was even a possibility anyway but uh yeah i, I definitely miss those days because i i do feel like don't totally agree I, I understand what you mean like he wasn't you know like he wasn't gonna get you buckets but at the same time the way he created offense and the way he attacked with athleticism which helped get him to the free throw line a lot i kind of feel like that that kind of made up for a, a lack of, you know, offensive pedigree. I'm not, you know, he wasn't a Kobe, I guess you could say, who's just going to like get you like buckets upon buckets. But I, I, I just I cannot hammer home enough, like how disappointed I am. Like you look at this group on paper, especially the versatility, 
You know what I mean? With with our guys, with Kuzma, Porzingis, and Gafford, you could potentially start all three. And, I mean, just imagine trying to drive the lane with any one of those guys. Like, you're, you're going to be trying to go by one, running into another. And then you would have maybe like a Beal and a, you know, I don't know, a Kispert. Um, uh, you know, pick, pick a guy, DeLon Wright, none. Um, and also, um, I, I tried to give him two seasons. I tried to, you know, um, be patient because he's a first year coach, a second year coach now. But at some point, when does the honeymoon end for West Unsell Jr.? Um, the team isn't improving. And I can't even, I honestly can't tell you what it is. Not only because I'm not watching the games, but there's no, like, rumblings in the locker room that it's his fault. Um, like, no, like, no national head saying it's his fault. And honestly, I'm trying to, like, not keep hammering him, pause, but... At the end of the day, I can't really critique Wes Unsell because I already knew what we were going to get from Bill. And it's yeah. like it's like how can I how can I um fairly critique um Wes Unsell with um his coaching and his coaching style when he's coming to the he's coming into the games with his best gun defective. Like his his gun is lagging, bro. <laughs> Like it's it's not consistent. Like it's shooting powerful shots, and then it's it's not shooting at all. No pun intended, because he's going to shoot shots. But that's all he is. It's a bucket. There's literally nothing else he brings to the table. And like I'm talking, like it it probably happened. Is he playing tonight? I don't even think he's playing tonight. That's another thing. He stayed injured too. Like that—that's what I'm saying. You don't give a player like that maximum money. I know we said we weren't going to talk football or whatever, but the what the Ravens are doing with Jackson—that's exactly how the Wizards should have treated Bill. Except they did the opposite. They kissed his butt and gave him this max contract for whatever reason. Like I don't know for fear of not having a superstar. I don't know why they gave him the max contract. He should have been traded. They should have been traded them. And now we're here. And yeah, I don't know. I, I think we're gonna be here for a minute until he until it either clicks or until he's gone. But he's the he's the key. Okay, so then um little like rapid fire series of questions. Obviously, they're all tied together here. I, I'm just spitballing as I'm listening to you talk. So I think to a degree, there's a certain amount of of slack that Wes Unseld has given because of the situation that he walked into. Now, you can also argue that he interviewed and wanted the job knowing what he'd be getting into. Uh, do you think Beal is gone first or, or Unseld is gone first? And also, what do you think of the whole idea that maybe – if they get rid of Beal and then what Unsell does with what they get in return for Beal. Your thoughts on that series of questions. 
I don't know how they can get rid of Bill because of the contract. Like you said, he's the second highest paid uh, paid player. So in order to trade him, we're going to have to take a huge salary back plus another player and maybe another player just to match that one salary that we're going to have to trade. Like a similar contract is what you're saying. Oh, bro, and on top of that, these idiots gave him a no-trade clause. So not only does nobody not want to trade with him, even if they want it, he has to want to go to him. <clears throat> so like what uh like I I literally don't get what they're doing. Like when we're talking we're talking team building and the DC um four sports. Yeah. We're talking team building right now. <laughs> the cap still won, kind of by default. Even though they've been struggling this season, when it comes to team building in the city, nobody is doing it better than them. Surprisingly, the commanders are second. The commanders are second. Like, we can say what we want to say about Rivera. The fact of the matter is, is that they've been middle of the pack his entire tenure here. Now, maybe on the negative side of the middle, like 17 and below, but they've been hovering around that seven win. Matter of fact, it's been seven wins at um, seven or eight and a half wins for the three seasons. So I'm going to say that the Nets are third because they actually built the team. They built the champion. But right now, kind of tripping. And I actually blame the learners more for what's happening with the Nets. They only wanted to spend on pitchers. I promise you. And that's why but, we're in the problem we're in. But by far, the worst ran team in the city. And it's amazing because they do so well with other parts of the team. Like when it comes to building uh, actual depth, they actually have done something recently. I, 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 I'll give Shepard, Tommy Shepard props for that. But when we're talking long-term, sustainable success, They've been the one team that have not been able to capture lightning in the bottle. Like, the one time they did, they still didn't make it out the second round of the playoffs. They still haven't won 50 games. At least Washington has won 10, had 10 win seasons. Like, a 50-win season is like a double-digit win season in the NFL. And the closest the Wizards have gotten in the last... 40 some years is 49 wins and it only happened once. Yeah, it's so <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't to answer your question. I don't know who's I don't know who's going first. It can't, it, it probably can't be billed for several reasons, but it's the NBA, so anything could happen. But it's they're, they're gonna have one heck of an offseason because remember, Kuz is, Kuz is a um, free agent too. Like they may not even be able to bring him back. They probably should have traded him this um season too. But I'm guessing they're assuming that they could bring him back or sign him back. But you know, Kuz a wild card. He might change his mind up. He might not even want to come back here. Uh I'd rather play in Oklahoma. Or something like that. Like, who knows? But yeah. <clears throat> we're not competing for anything. The Nationals will be back before the Wizards do anything. I promise you. 
Well, <clears throat> we are now in the third quarter. Those Wizards are up 78 to 70. So, um, but right. there are some teams competing, and some of those teams have individuals competing too. Mike, where are you at on the MVP conversation? Who who are your top MVP vote getters? And who do you think will win it? Well, I think especially right now in the season, there's only three people that realistically has a shot. Um Greek freak, the uh process, and Joker. So we got Giannis and V and Djokovic. Um Jokic. I mean Jokic, I'm sorry. I'm thinking tennis, my bad. I was gonna say Jokic. Wrong Joker. Um let's 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 break it down like this. The Joker, Jokic is having the best statistical season out of the three. Like his numbers are off the chart. However, it's not like Giannis and MB are having bad seasons themselves. And I believe both of their teams have better records than the Nuggets. Embiid is the voting favorite, and I understand why. It's because he hasn't won one. I'm pretty sure that's why he hasn't won one. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's why, because he hasn't won one. But the real the real winner should be Giannis if the Bucks finish with the number one record in the NBA. Because he's outscoring Embiid, out-rebounding Embiid, shooting better than Embiid. I think um, Giannis should be the answer. But I understand. I understand how politics work in the NBA. So if they give it the um, Embiid off some his first award ever type stuff, then it is what it is. <clears throat> yeah, uh, I think it'd be interesting to see if you know Joker won it. That'd be three in a row if he won it, wouldn't it? Right. That's why I'm like, it's not happening. <laughs> uh, I mean that that'd be cool. Um, it'd also be cool if. Uh, I think I've referenced this on one of the shows before, but uh, back in the 90s, Grant Hill and Jason Kidd shared Rookie of the Year. What if we had a three-way MVP? It's not going to happen, but it'd be kind of cool. I tend to to agree with Giannis. I mean, it could happen because you remember the votes are blind. Like, it could be a way where everybody receives equal points. That'd be interesting. So... Uh, if, if we're eliminating Joker winning it for a third time, which I, I don't want to do, but just to play devil's advocate, I'll go Giannis for a different reason. I And and I, I think it was Gilbert Arenas who said this, and it wasn't until he said this that it, it fully clicked. Like, I kind of always knew this, but it made sense once he said it. Uh, as far as Embiid goes, like, he's great. Like, he can actually shoot the three very well. He's got post up. He's got touch on that fadeaway. Um, you know, he he's tough. He plays defense, but he also tends to take a lot of plays off. If you ever watch, like, I mean, look, basketball is a tiring sport. And I can only imagine when you're that big and you're dealing with guys that might be a little smaller than you, but are like just way quicker and trying to keep up with them can be exhausting. But I watch him play. And, and and again, it wasn't until I think it was Gil who says he like you kind of watch and sometimes he just looks exhausted and, and understandably so. But 
it's different when you watch Giannis or Joker or some of these other guys play because they maintain a certain uh like just overall body language and stance where like they seem you know still in that athletic position it, it, watch next time you see him play and it gets late into a game or lord forbid it goes to overtime he kind of like becomes rubbery and like it's like he falls a lot and he just I, i'm not Did kidding rubbery bro i don't know how else to say it it's it's like <laughs> it's like it's hard for him to keep his arms and hands up it's hard for him to keep himself upright i don't know how else to say it it's not a disc because it's like i don't know it's it's like the battery on your phone, you know, and for the first three quarters, Embiid is almost full charged. And then come fourth quarter, it's like you're down to that little thin red line there where you can barely see it. Like my phone just, right now. That's that's what I see. Um, did you see the Wizards score? Are they losing? Are they? I just put my phone down because I'm I'm uh letting the wife. They're losing by one. Where there's a will, there's a way. I'm telling you, bro. Um, but yeah, like I like I said, Giannis could definitely or should definitely win it, in my opinion. He's just having a better season. The Bucks, they were like metal meddling middle of the pack or whatever. And towards the end of the season, they just turned it on. And I definitely think they're favorites in the East right now because as soon as they started playing better, the Celtics definitely started playing worse. And, um, yeah, like, it's it's going to be interesting. And speaking of interesting, um, the Lakers are, like, playing really well right now without LeBron. So, <laughs> um, if they mess around and make this play, then it's going to be interesting because when the King come back, um, it's gonna be on. Like um that team the is West this, is um is this what the NBA has uh scripted for how the season will go? Is is that, um, is that, no, is that I just think that's just how it happens. When it's out, the team starts playing well, LeBron comes back, there's conflict, they overcome conflict, they run the table and win. <laughs> I would love that actually. I would love if the Lakers won the championship, to be honest with you. That's exactly what the NBA needs right now. How funny would that be when you got guys like Pat Bev and Russell Westbrook, and I I can't remember if there's anybody else um, that they got rid of, you know, and those guys like, you know, Bev going to the Bulls, Westbrook going to literally just across the street, (laughs) not really because they play in the same arena to the Clippers, but then only to see some by some miracle the Lakers – you know, like I said, run the table and do the damn thing. And they played the Thunder tonight um, at home, and both teams are tied at thirty six and thirty seven. So, yeah, like it's it's going to be interesting. And it's not that many games left. It should I think nobody has more than eight games left or something like that. So, yeah, let's look at this schedule real quick. Um, Let me respect the request to disable the ad block. Shout out to CBS Sports for asking. I appreciate that. Um, you know, y'all, because the websites need their money too. So if they ask you to disable the so ad block, just after the Thunder, it. the Lakers play the Bulls uh, at Chicago or at LA, then at Chicago, then they play the Timberwolves, 
And then they got the Rockets, the Jazz, the Clippers, mm. Suns, and the Jazz again. And look, did you, my goodness, did, are you looking at the locations of these games? Yeah, they're on the road for most of it. Bruh, five straight on the road. Yeah. From March 29th to April I mean, 5th. To be fair, well, the, the Clippers I, game. But yeah, the Clippers game is it's it's in LA, so that's not really on the road. So four and a half on the road. And then Phoenix, like that's not far from Cali at all. Oh come on, it's still a, tri- a road trip. That's like saying DC is. Yeah, but the from way Boston. these guys travel and everything, what is that like? Maybe like an hour flight, hour and uh, a half. And they're home for that Phoenix game. Oh man, I'm tripping. Matter of fact, the last three games are at Crypto Arena. So after. It's funny. They they have what? Is that three, six? So they have nine games left. Um five of them are at the crypt. But four of them are home games, one of them a road game. But anyway, I'm um, looking at the schedule, like they can take care of Oklahoma City and check this out, bro. If they sweep the Bulls and the Wizards happen to win a few games. The we'll Wizards end, get into the playoffs. Yeah, we'll end up back in the 10th seed, which would be horrible. Like, at this right. point, the more we lose, the better. Unfortunately, that's the point of the season we are at. And, hey, it is what it is. But the Lakers definitely can make the uh, play-in game. They have very winnable games left to end the season, including two against Utah, who I believe they are ahead of in the standings. Let me double check. Is that correct? Yeah, they... Oh, <clears throat> my apologies. Actually, they're ahead of the Thunder and the Jazz in the standings. And all three teams have 37 loss. Oh, wow. Bruh. I didn't know that the Mavericks were struggling like that. Yeah. Um, It is... One, two, three, four, five. It is six teams in the West with 37 losses. The Clippers has 36 losses. I mean, the Clippers have 35 losses. The Clip, um, the Warriors have 36 losses. And the Suns have 34 losses. So, like, <laughs> the difference between number four seed and the 12 seed is only three games. That is insane. Yeah. So, like, man, I I guess you could say that right now Oklahoma and Utah are going to be the two teams that's out, but the Pelicans have been falling. And, well, actually, not now. They've won their last three. So that's what makes the end, the end of the season interesting. All it takes is a hot streak to like guarantee your spot in the playoffs. I'm saying that that West is is just, I mean, it, it's like the SEC, man. Like everybody beating up on each other. But you know what, though, I don't think any of these teams would be able to beat the Clip. I mean, the um, Celtics, Sixers, or Bucks in the seven game series. Damn. So you're saying like. It's them top East teams or bust, like whichever one comes out, they're going to win? Um, I believe so. And honestly, bro, proclamations. The Cavs are a very dangerous playoff team, man. I do they like are to so 
they are so freaking talented. Not yeah. only on the starting lineup, but their bench is deep too, bro. Like, I really like the Cavaliers. I just don't yeah. think they got enough firepower to take out the Bucks, Celtics, or Sixers. But, um, yeah, man. And it does look like the road to the playoffs are going to go through Milwaukee. They have a two-and-a-half game lead over the Celtics. And um, I just do not think that they're going to catch um, the Celtics or the Sixers are going to catch the Bucks, who are, man, they 52-20, and 20, bro. Like, they are not playing this season. And um, are they the favorites right now? Who? The Bucks. Mm-hmm. I don't actually need all that. Sure. I would have to think so. Oh, I actually have it up in front of me. Uh, according to FanDuel, it's the Bucks, Celtics, then the Suns, then the Nuggets, Sixers, then the Grizzlies. Nice. Um. Hey, while we're at it, real quick, um, John Moran is back, and he's apparently wearing a mask to protect his face. I don't know if he broke his nose or what happened, <laughs> but uh, he had a pretty sick backdoor cut, caught the ball, and kind of um, did one of those where he's in the air, and he, you know, it's similar to like a little scoop shot layup, like an up and under. Mm-hmm. Instead, he just sort of moved it a little bit to the side, and then, I mean, he dunked it hard. I can't remember who it was on, but it was nasty. And then uh, Paul George, oh, my God. <laughs> you saw what happened? I don't mean to laugh. I didn't see what happened. I just know um, I saw the headlines that night as it happened. It was like, he- at first, it was like, Paul George hits a 360 dunk, and then... You can say oh, what happened the later. Dunk, yeah, the dunk was amazing, but I'm more just, I, you know, I'm, these guys make tons of money and all that. I get it why I feel sorry for him, but that dude went through what he went through with that, like, just gruesome injury he suffered. And I don't know if this is the same leg. I don't think it is. I think it was the right one that he had the bad, bad, like, double, triple, break everything injury. This one, he uh, he jumped up to – I don't know if it was to get a rebound or a loose ball, but he jumped up and the guy was kind of like, it was almost like he was trying to take a charge and George lands and his knee just literally like buckles and goes like, you know, you're standing and imagine your knee goes backwards, you know, like an umbrella, like when it goes up and it's not supposed to. Uh, Yeah. So, Speedy recovery to him. Uh, it, I I don't know. If, uh, I think if 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 maybe the Suns when they get healthy or the Nuggets, especially when they're clicking, I think they could give some of these Eastern Conference teams a run. I really do. I because completely you, forgot the about the Suns. Joker dishes <laughs> everybody. You got Murray. You got Porter Jr. You got Brown. I mean, but I don't trust those teams. The the Bucks and Celtics have been to the finals in the last few years. The Sixers, uh, they the Sixers, but Embiid and Harden has been playing these high profile games pretty much their entire careers for the last 
um, five or six seasons or whatever. So I just feel like at the end of the day, especially in the NBA playoffs, the team with the best players usually rise to the top. And you look at the players that, like, we're saying that Jokic should win the MVP, but he can't win it because the Bucks and Sixers are that much better than the Nuggets or playing that much better than the Nuggets. And I just feel like when the playoffs start, that's eventually what's just going to happen, that those three teams in the East are just a, too powerful. It's only a, with as far as the Sixers go, they have the same record as the Sixers. Well, they have one more loss, but they have the same amount of wins. The Bucks are only two ahead of Denver, and the the Celtics are only one game ahead in terms of wins. But yeah, but I remember the Nuggets were the Nuggets were like way ahead of them during the season. But the fact that they're even like within distance or losing now is like that's what I'm saying. Like the Nuggets, where they like it seemed like they do this every single season. So why should I trust them to do anything in the playoffs? Okay. Okay. You're right. The Suns are the, the probably the most dangerous team, but that's only because they have players that are like they used to this. KD, Book, CP3. The Suns was just in the finals like two years that ankle ago. Injury came at the worst time, man, because this apparently was, he's okay. supposed to come back Wednesday. Yeah, but I mean, I like, just mm-hmm. lost time to, you know, gel and learn how to like play together as you're getting ready to make a playoff run. Um, I'm not saying that they're going to make the finals, but I'm just saying because of the versatility they have, uh, the amount of guys they have that can hit threes, and just the surprise factor. I I think Sacramento gives some of these guys a run. Sabonis is ridiculous. De'Aaron Fox, just for the consistency and just how much he has really stepped up this year, I think he deserves like one, one and a half MVP votes. Just like slide it in there. I don't expect him to win, but for the way he's played this year, it like it should not be a surprise. So you got him and Sabonis. Then you got a Harrison Barnes who quietly has produced for that team. You need to check his stats. He's consistent. Gets rebounds, makes threes. It backs uh, up. I mean, they play together, but you know he wasn't making them in guys the like um, twenty sixteen finals. Yeah, talking about um, Barnes. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, he he plays well. He he has a, a nice niche there. He he gets plenty of burn. Yeah. And, I mean, they they got they're third in the in the West right now. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I'm, I'm I hear what you're saying, but like, are Dude. we really going to trust the Kings to do something in the playoffs? See, if if the, the real reason that that I'll ride with you on the East thing, I mean, I I do still think like it's not as lopsided. Maybe, I mean, maybe that's not how you mean for it to come out. But the the thing that the East really has is health. All their studs are, you know, I, I know Harden, I think, is resting. Harden and Embiid, I think, are resting tonight. But, you know, Suns, you got Durant, who's hurt. Memphis, it's not necessarily injury, but you got John Morant returning from his suspension and that whole ordeal. Um, Denver's fairly healthy, knock on wood. Hope I don't jinx them. Clippers, we mentioned Paul George. Golden State is number six. 
Um, I don't think anybody's necessarily injured, but I, I kind of feel like, and this is another, uh, maybe it was Barkley. I can't remember who, but somebody said, you know, the Warriors have been doing a lot of like, like, I guess if they're losing or someone wants to talk trash, they like hold up four, you know, for the four rings or maybe Steph, uh, Dre and Clay at least do it. They're like, look, man, that was last year. Like, you know, can't really, you know, keep bringing that up. Like this whole new year. But I mean, they're they're still in it. So with the way those guys can shoot, um, yeah, and hopefully I haven't heard anything else about the Wiggins thing, but hopefully uh, he can come back. And then you got him and Poole coming off the bench. That was crazy. I haven't heard anything about it though either. Uh, That's actually a great thing. I I do think New Orleans though. I think they're sneaky. I, I think yeah, the, man, they got Ingram, some and, Ingram and, and McCollum are just stud scorers. Like those guys are buckets. And then I'll tell you who's sneaky is uh, Valanchunas. He puts up double doubles like regularly. They got a nice, they got a nice thing going there. All right, we can wrap up basketball segment, but um, bruh, we'll end it with this. Remember when? how the Lizards, like, started cooking after they traded for Nene and brought in Pierce. Yeah. Like, that was that was some good times. I was just reminiscing on that. 100%. It absolutely was. We had, we had a, a, a bona fide big man who, uh, you know, had, like, a, a, a somewhat soft touch for how brutish he was down there on the block, and you had a vet like Paul Pierce could hit big shots and, you know, sort of – maybe help to uh, uh, bestill some of that wisdom upon Beal and Wall. Um, yeah, man, those were good times, you know. Did you call bank? I called game. It was great. It was great. Not to mention he was a Jayhawk. Just throw that out there. We'll be back, y'all, in a few seconds. talk about someone that I think we haven't talked about on this show specifically in a long time. I feel like he deserves his own segment. And that's none other than The Predator. The 2022nd overall pick. Defensive end from Ohio State. Chase Young. If you're from DMV, you might call him Chase Youngin. So, <laughs> but they young, no pun intended. What's up with him, bro? Like this, this season is a huge season for him. He has to dominate it. Not play okay, but he has to have a dominating season in order to justify him being the second overall pick. Like we can debate all day on. They should have drafted Herbert, or they should have drafted Tua. Like we could debate all day on that. The fact of the matter is, is that at that time, that was not the question. There was no question on who was the number two overall pick. And because Washington had Haskins and Smith or whatever, well, not Smith, he was cooked pretty much. 
But because they have Haskins, um, it was like you can't really draft a quarterback. Like hindsight is twenty twenty, but obviously at the time Chase Young was worth the second pick. Flash forward three years later, not looking too good for the Bama. So Edward, what's up, man? Um what needs to happen for you to feel comfortable with Washington giving Chase Young a fifth-year bonus, which may potentially happen this summer? Well, first of all, let, let's also mention he went to DeMatha High School in Maryland. Oh, so how can I forget? He, uh, you know, got to throw that in there. Rep, you know, rep it hard. Hard. Uh, for me, it's a little different, and and I'm kind of glad that there hasn't been more of an uproar. I think there's certainly been an understanding with um, his injury. You look at the impact he had as a rookie, uh, you know, winning defensive rookie of the year, uh, which I think was certainly deserved. I think you look even into the second year, I think um, before some of the injuries started to come up, statistically he might not have – wowed you and 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 filled up the stat sheet to where you'd say he was deserving of the second pick but i think there's a lot of times where uh again some of these crazy metrics that show like he was winning his one-on-one matchup or you know he created you know pressure and 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 sort of got like an assist if you will uh, you know, kind of moving the the line or or getting the quarterback to move into somebody else getting a sack. So um, I just want to throw those things out there. So good good on our fans for not, uh, you know, making a bigger fuss than this needs to be. Uh, certainly there's a lot of pressure and expectations. I'm sure he puts that on himself too. Uh, what I would say is just being healthy. Let's start there um, as far as him getting a bonus, you know, being able to play – what are we at? 17 games, right? Being able to play all 17 games. And then I just, I think as he stays healthy, as well as the rest of the team, especially the defensive line, I think you're going to see him show you why he was the second overall pick. I really do. Because you look at the level Payne and Allen are playing. You look at guys like uh, uh, Ridgeway. Um, we'll see what big Phil can do for us. If he can stay healthy as well, you got to figure he's going to hopefully make an impact. You know, Alabama doesn't just, you know, have turds. So, um, you know, and our two guys, Allen and Payne are, are reflections of that. Sweat is a beast too on the other end. Uh, he performed pretty well without chase. So you got to figure that, that ripple effect that, that just being there, is going to have an impact. And I think he certainly would warrant uh, an extension. I can't give you any sort of, he's going to have this many sacks or, or or not. But again, you saw what he was capable of the guy, you know, he get he gets to the quarterback quick. He gets pressures. He causes fumbles. He picks up fumbles and returns them. The guy is a freakish athlete. So there's, there's no need for uh, any sort of negativity you know, it's football, it's a rough game, it's a violent collision sport, and injuries are a part of it. And I just I'm hoping that all of this sitting out that he did, which I'm not complaining about, I'm not saying it like I'm mad. It's frustrating, mm-hmm. sure, but it's well, but I, I mean to say, like, I don't hold it against him. Like, I'm not like pissed and like thinking that he's like being a diva. Like, 
You know, he's thinking long-term health and maybe he's thinking I can get back to what I was if I take it easy and don't do the RG3 thing and rush it back. So that's where I'm at. And it's like the team finished third in defense without him. So it's like, again, his presence. need to come back that fast? Not really. I could take it because my defense is killing it right now. So I hear what you're saying. Exactly. Um, I think the only reason, and that's why I, I stressed the second overall pick so much earlier, because that's the only reason we're even having this discussion is because he's a second overall pick and you just need impact with that second pick and him missing the games that he's missed. It just isn't cool because it's been every single season he's been injured. 2020, 2021, and 22. That's why it's not cool. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I don't know. I'm, I think, like, like, I'm leaning towards how you're feeling. I think he'll have a good season and bounce back. Um, but it's, it's honestly up to his health. Like, if he misses more than five games again this season, um, he may be playing this last year in Washington next year. Like, rather they release, well, I don't think they'll release him, but rather they um, trade him or what. But I think this year is going to determine rather he's a superstar or not. I think that's the type of season he's entering in his career. Um, I'll tell so, you this. If he, if he even, like, let's say, like, within like the first couple of games, if he plays like, you know, what, you know, those flashes you saw as a rookie, if he, if he shows return to that form and he's playing that well, I would try to lock him up. You know what I mean? I would try to get the deal right then and there because obviously the the more he plays, the better he plays, the longer he stays healthy, the more, the more it's going to, you know, like the more you're going to have to pay. So I, I would, uh, Strike while the iron's hot, but you know a lot, a lot of variables in that uh, scenario. So, yeah, um, I hope, I really do think that there's a way that they can keep Sweat and Young for a while, but it's just going to take some finessing with the contract, basically. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. What's my favorite Chase Young moment so far in his career? Um, I could easily say his touchdown versus the 49ers, but there's been so much more impactful plays and more moments like versus the Steelers. He had a couple of swats to sack. Um, He was a menace in the Tampa playoff game, I believe. Um, Yeah, he's Oh, I think the Panthers game, his rookie season, like, that was a good game for him. And we ended up losing, but hey. But, um, yeah, like like I said, I think I think he's going to be all right. I think he's going to be all right. If you want me to throw some numbers and stuff at you, I can't do that tonight. <laughs> um, I'm just going off a of gut instinct. And I'm trusting in Del Rio to bring out the best in him. 
because so far, like, if you want to talk about uh, unsung hero for Washington, it's definitely Mattel Rio. It seems like he's the only coach between the uh, him Rivera and Turner that's been able to adapt to a more modern play style in the NFL. Um, the defense isn't perfect, though they finished top three of the um, two of the last three seasons. Um, they still have some issues that they need to work on. If Chase Young can ball out, he alone negates a bit of the issues that they have. Especially in the secondary. Yeah. So um yeah, I think I think that's it on the young Bama from the DMV. Um hopefully he proves me and Eddie right and can ball out. And if not, a year from now we'll have the same discussion about Chase Young and be like, Why didn't it work out? Or what's wrong? <laughs> like, why is it not working out? Until then, um, we remain a bit optimistic. And we'll be right back. What's up, y'all? Thanks for hanging with us on this episode. Um, it's going to be an interesting spring once the sale happens with the commanders and the draft. And um, you got baseball picking up. I'm not saying expected to do much, but you never know. Um, oh, we haven't talked about the defenders. These mammoths 5 and 0. Took out the, I believe they're the Battle Hawks of St. Louis. Um, they were four and one. Oh no. I think the defenders are six and zero now, actually. Well, anyway, they undefeated. And the uh, Battle Hawks only had one loss, and the defenders took them out to remain undefeated. They play another one loss team again on Monday night. I believe it's the Roughnecks of Houston. Yeah, the Houston Roughnecks. I, I don't have any notes in front of me, but I believe the Houston Roughnecks are. Um, five and one or four and one, and it's gonna be a huge game Monday night down Southwest <laughs> at Audi Field. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be interesting. But we're gonna finish the show talking about some World Baseball Classic. Um, and another topic, but the World Baseball Classic it started earlier this month. Went for a couple of weeks, had a knockout stage. I mean, a round robin, a knockout stage. And um, it was interesting. Like, you had, like, I saw a YouTube video, and apparently the rest of the world, like, treats this almost as intense as the World Cup. Maybe not in the European countries, but definitely in um, the middle of America. Like, it's huge to the point where they said they interviewed six Dominican Republic players and five of them Bama said that winning that the World Baseball Classic was more important than winning the World Series. And the sixth person was Robinson Cano. This Bama said it was a tie. Hmm. <laughs> so that's how he used the World Baseball Classic is um, apparently. And um, 
luckily enough, it ended with arguably the best two teams in the world historically and this season um, in the tournament. And that was none other than the United States of America, led by Mike Trout, going against Japan, led by his teammate, um, Otani. And <laughs> all some Hollywood-type stuff, bruh. It ended with Otani facing Trout, ninth inning, uh, with the game on the line, and... Otani struck the Bama out for the W. Like, it was some real Hollywood-type stuff. Japan took the title, and, um, yeah, we'll see him again the next time. But um, I just wanted to bring up the fact that it seems like we, as in America, have been sleeping on a World Baseball Classic uh, as a country. Huh? It's like basketball. You know how, like, for the longest time, like, we dominated, you know, and now... Oh, no, I'm not talking about, like, as far as competition. I feel like the competition always kind of been, like... Like I said, Japan has been, like, at the USA's throat for most of my life in baseball. I'm talking about the tournament as a whole. Like, I think we've been sleeping... These other countries, like, you already said it. You know, this is a huge deal. Otani said something to the effect of, uh, you know, it, it was like he was saying, like, you can respect them, but you can't admire them because if you admire mm-hmm. them, then you can't, you can't take them out or you can't beat them. It was something along those lines. And I get what he was trying to say. He's saying, like, you know, you, you can you can only have so much admiration for how good someone is to the point that, like, you're not going to be able to compete against them at your best because again your your admiration might get in the way on some uh some type of level uh so yeah definitely a big deal uh i would say it's just one of those things where a lot of these guys probably grew up and they were into baseball and not that other countries and uh players of different nationalities haven't come here to play uh pro baseball but there's a it it for a long time, especially in the history, is a very American sport. And, you know, you see these guys who are, you know, American. And it's I guess it's sort of the way we look at um some of these great uh uh football or soccer teams, if you will, when it comes to World Cup. Like the USA's never been that great, but we've been climbing here and there trying to get better. And you know, I I, I just think it's the same in the reverse when it comes to baseball. But uh, yeah, you know what, what surprises me, though, especially when you look at pro baseball, I don't know how the, the uh, Dominican Republic doesn't, like, dominate. I, I don't – I just don't get it. There are a ton right. of players in Major League Baseball. And, and like, good ones, too. I'm not just saying, like, you know, they, they just happens to be a lot. Like, no, there's a ton of good players. Well, I, I just told you, Robinson Cano was on the team, and he's, like, not one of their elite players right now. That's how deep they are. I just I don't understand how they don't dominate, but I also am not a huge baseball guy. You know, I'll pay attention once the Nats season comes around. But uh yeah. 
I just want to look up this roster because I know there's going to be a bunch of guys on here who I'm probably going to recognize as being good. Who for the Dominican? And- yeah, I'm pulling it up right now. Dominicana. Rayu, Sandy Allen Carter. Uh, let me see. Diego Castilla, Contreras, Johnny Cueto. Um, he's a little long in the tooth, but a good pitcher. Let me see here. Is that just well, – that's just pitchers. Okay, hold on. Let me see here. Infielders. All right, so you already said Robinson Cano, Wander Franco, Manny Machado. Jesus. Gene Segura. Oh, let's check in the outfield. Juan Soto. I knew it. I knew Soto was Dominican. I just wasn't positive. Um, I mean, just that right there, Nelson Cruz. Get the F out of here. Yeah. That I mean, that's a squad. And I'm sure some of those other guys are like really talented, but but because I'm not into baseball like I am football and basketball, I can't tell you. But just the handful I mentioned alone, that is a squad. Yeah, and um, now we start baseball season in a few weeks. And like I said earlier in the show, not expecting too much from the Nationals, but... Um, but the good news is that if we're not good, that means tickets will be cheap, so I won't have hey. to pay to go and get my bobbleheads. <laughs> um, yeah, don't let my wife know. She's going to mm-hmm. get because I've already got way too many. So, But it's okay. We all have our vices. Um yeah, I Mike, we it strikes me as I believe episode two, we covered the topic of transgenders in sports because that's just how cutting edge we are. Second episode, we still were getting to know each other on many levels, and we were already covering that topic. It has reared its not ugly head, but controversial head. Again, as um, I don't even know what who to say. Do I say just track and field? Like, is that is that a league? Any which way in track and field on an international level, transgenders are banned from competing as of now. I'm sure there will be uh, appeals and other sorts of legal type of jargon that will lead to that maybe being changed or not changed or in the process of being changed? Mike, thoughts? Um, like, I, like I said in the second episode, um, I'm all about fairness and it's hard to actually have a fair playing field when you have um, participants that are legally allowed to take steroids it's just it's not cool to put that on the same playing field and i would say that regardless of what gender you are like i understand um that the transsexuals they um want to compete but um like i said it's we have to think we have to think logically about this. We have to think critically about this. Um, I applaud the International Track and Field um committee, I guess, for making a tough decision, knowing the blowback that it was gonna cause. But um it is what it is, man. Like it's really like it's a really hard topic, but 
there's a reason why you have weight classes in boxing. Um, there's a reason why you have college basketball and professional basketball. And unfortunately, there's a reason why transsexuals can't compete in the same sports as um, men and women. So uh, I'm reading here an article that says track and field banned transgender athletes from international competition Thursday. Uh, this is yesterday, March 23rd, for those of you who are keeping track. And they're adopting new regulations that could keep um, athletes uh, with differences in sex development from competing. Uh, and a pair of decisions uh, expected to stoke outrage. The World Athletics Council adopted the same rules as swimming did last year in deciding to bar athletes who have transitioned from male to female and have gone through male puberty. No such athletes currently compete at the highest elite levels of track. So I I don't know if you heard that. I'm assuming it goes both ways. And, and I know this isn't necessarily a thing the way uh, one side of it is. But that specifically said males transitioning to females. I know, I understand females transitioning to males and without trying to spark this whole man versus woman who's better and who's whatever. There's no issue with that. So what I was going to say is um, I had heard some other information where it specifically cited some of the uh, uh, just known differences when it comes to the male athlete versus the female athlete. And again, this is in no way trying to be um, uh, some sort of chauvinist or, or, you know, sexist uh, in, in no way. Uh, I'm the father of girls. I have a great deal of respect for women. There are plenty of women who could kick my ass and who could beat me in a variety of sports. Uh, so it's not about that. But if you have a trained male athlete versus a trained female athlete i'd say probably nine times out of ten the male athlete is gonna win maybe even more um you can look there's an interview with serena williams where she mentions uh, i believe it's andy murray who's a tennis player and she says she's like if i played him he would be like she mentions like tennis type talk and and numbers and basically indicating it would be like skunk rule type stuff like it would be the the 21 nothing on madden you know so um having said that this specifically is targeting males transitioning to females uh, i believe there's a woman who is i think somalian if i'm not mistaken uh let me look here uh caster samaya i'm trying to think of where she she's from south africa excuse me she's not somalian um uh you got uh uh Persons like her, uh, as well as, and I'm, I'm, apologize for not being disrespectful, but the um, trans uh, female swimmer, those are obviously the the two that come to mind most. And, you know, I I don't know what the right answer is here because I'll agree with you on some levels, I, and and I don't know how the whole process goes, um, as far as whether. They are or aren't taking steroids. I'm not going to disagree with you. I have heard on the flip side that especially for the males transitioning to females, that there's certain medication or injections they get to sort of help with the um, 
internal change as far as, you know, less testosterone, producing more estrogen, uh, those kind of things. And it's my understanding that going through that process can actually weaken in the body. So I just want to throw that out there. Not an expert, but perhaps if you're hearing this and you want to look it up, that's up to you. Uh, I will say in the second episode, and it was not meant to sound ignorant, I had suggested that maybe we create some kind of trans league. Mike quickly pointed out that that was kind of like, kind of messed up. Like I was kind of, um, geez, why can't I think of the word right now? I was kind of discriminating on them. And so in no way did I mean that, but I think it just sort of points out to how complicated the situation is because I'm the kind of person that wants to be all inclusive. I think a lot of other people do too, but I don't know how we can create a fair playing field with this. And, uh, but check this out. And this, yeah. this, I think this is the last thing I gotta say on it. Um, I saw that there was a female that made a college baseball team. And I do think in some sports, you may be able to have mixed genders at some point on a professional level, baseball being one of those sports. Um, Honestly, bruh, it might take a few more decades, but at some point, I think basketball could become mixed gender. Um, It... It will be limited. Like I don't think it'll. I think I don't think women will in, infiltrate the NBA. But I do think there will be a mixed basketball, a mixed gender basketball league that um, would be successful. Mike, I I'm sorry. I'm I'm very much like I'm not. <laughs> I'm trying to take this seriously, but all I can think of is when you're saying. Mixed basketball is Dave Chappelle's joke of LeBron James going to the WNBA and averaging 700 points. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. It's not meant to sound disrespectful. Um, It is a serious situation because I'll tell you another thing I, I heard. And I don't want to, you know, get like too graphic about this either, but um, there was a, a young girl who was, I believe a college swimmer. And uh, again, this is in reference and I, I apologize for not knowing the um person's name but uh she was talking about being in the locker room you know and they're changing and then uh this person comes in and they change and again i understand identify as a female all that but they still had uh male genitalia and she's saying like yeah they just kind of dropped all their clothes like and to a degree that's a room full of women and i understand the other person identifies as such but you got to factor that in too. Like if we're if we're gonna have trans athletes competing with females, you know, and 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 we have that certain level of uncomfortable ness, uncomfortability uh, going on. How do you address that? Because who 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 gets their own locker room? And then are you discriminating on one or not the other? I mean, it, I just feel like I'm going further down that's the rabbit hole. I think that's the least of the problems. I think if, well, then again, I don't know, because that could but open I, a door for... not fully comfortable. Yeah. You know what I mean? If if, if you have that level of... of to, for that person, again, I'm, not, I'm trying to choose my words carefully here. If If you have that kind of distraction, then how do you 
you know, maintain focus on what you're, you're trying to do as far as your game plan and your, your, you know, just even your fundamentals of whatever it is uh, in terms of the sport you're competing in. But, you know, I mean, the ruling is such, we'll see what happens. I, I, like I said, I do believe there, there will be an appeal or there'll be something. Yeah, um, I don't know. Like, y'all can hear us tiptoeing around the topic because we just don't want to say nothing. It's just well, it's because we're just two nice, young, successful guys just trying to, you know, try not to knock anybody else over as we're trying to climb the mountain. I hear that. Um, so yeah, we'll be back next week, y'all. Um, will we have another chill show like this? Will the commanders actually have more news? Um, the owners meeting this next week, so that's cool. Um, so yeah, who knows? But I know one thing: I might be out of town, like starting Wednesday. So I know they're going to be working after a certain point next week. I'm definitely off on Friday. So shout out to my new supervisor. Um, hey, maybe she's doing some background information on your boy and checking out the show. Yep. So yep. um you know who you're you know who you are if you are listening. Um yeah, shout out and um holler at your boy with a promotion. Let's get it. Exactly. <laughs> hey, real quick in a uh hilarious twist of fate, which who knows how much truth it, uh Danny Boy had some of his handlers, some of his um spokespersons, they got word out that Dan would be okay if Jeff Bezos bit on the team. So pretty funny. Hopefully it's true. Opens up another door. Who knows? Who knows? Uh believe he's out there in Monaco on his boat or on his plane or one of, you know, who knows? Must be nice. But and, uh, um if you're one of those Bamas that's still whining about the name after what fourteen months or thirteen months, um, we can't change it until two thousand twenty seven, regardless of who owns the team. So yeah, get used to the commanders. They gotta be the commanders for at least five seasons. So yeah. And by the time that fifth season's over, pretty sure nobody's gonna want to change the name for whatever reason. So, yeah, just get used to it. You got yeah. anything else, bro? Nah, man, we out of here.